Hi guys, happy Sunday. This one is going to be a long one. This one is two stories of two people who were unfortunately affected by COVID-19. The first one is a friend of mine who will remain anonymous. She was affected with COVID-19 or by COVID-19 um, and she lives in the U.S. So her story, she goes through exactly what she experienced from feeling ill, the length of time she was sick and what was happening in the U.S. at the time with regards to healthcare and how she was able to power through and eventually get better. The next story is from Nisa Pei, who would have, as you would have seen, a post that went sort of viral where she spoke about being picked up and preparing to go to the hospital. We had a pretty good conversation. I'd really love for you to hear it and just, you know, take in what was said with regards to the TNT experience. And then when you're done digesting the both stories, I want you to think about what is happening around the world and what is happening here. How exactly we are affecting each other by our responsibility or irresponsibility and the overall long-term effects of this illness, of this virus. But before I do that, you all know the drill. <laughs> I definitely want to do the word of the day. Now, the word of the day today is legerity or logerity. It's spelled L-E-G-E-R-I-T-Y. It's a noun and refers to physical or mental quickness, nimbleness, or agility. So I'm going to find a quote just so you can understand how this word can be used. This quote comes from Jordana Jakubovic physics to go and hold the math <laughs> it was in the new york times on march 21st 2004 the sentence goes with such luxury of mind how could i not study physics do you get it i hope you get it and i hope you use it this week anyway listen to these two conversations and let me know your thoughts traveling a lot in the right. months of January and February mm -hmm. and the pandemic had sort of been or COVID had sort of become a thing mm -hmm. in Asia and I had heard about it and I think there was a little bit of jest or not taking it completely seriously right. with respect to the states mm -hmm. um, so I have friends at work who it's part of their job responsibilities to mm -hmm. um, provide support to all of our our offices and our business right. continuity team. So, you know, I was hearing things about what was happening in our Asia offices, supplies that we were providing mm -hmm. for our employees. So I think I had more of a realistic understanding 
But at the same time, I guess in my mind, I hadn't really thought, you know, it would have been something we would, we would be in the place of where we are now. Yeah. Um, basically seven months later or something I would have experienced personally. Um, Yes. So fast forward to about March Mm -hmm. 13th, Mm -hmm. I had woken up that morning and sort of felt a sore throat. I wasn't feeling well. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, oh, you know, this is probably just a cold. You know, I've been traveling a lot. My body's probably tired. drained and tired. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm probably just coming down with a cold of some sort. Mm-hmm. So like every other Caribbean person that you know, I went <laughs> and made myself some white rum with a little bit of lemon and honey and figured I would, you know, drink that concoction and feel better tomorrow. Right. Um, that didn't happen so I called my primary care doctor the next day because I thought at that point it was just a sore throat when it started but it, then I started with a cough mm-hmm. sort of the next day and I'm someone who's asthmatic and whenever my asthma starts to flare up oftentimes mm-hmm. it starts with a cough or um, yeah sort of starts de- develops to sort of bronchitis from there Mm -hmm. Um, especially during the winter months. So I was trying to be proactive and I went to the doctor. Um, I called my doctor and said, hey, can you get me uh, Z-Pack or antibiotics that I would take just in case Mm -hmm. because things were now starting to happen in New York. Um, We had had our first major outbreak by that point. Mm -hmm. Um, And we were discovering by one individual how quickly it was spreading from mm-hmm. him attending a family event where 200 people were. Ouch. Um, and again, not completely thinking it was COVID, still sort of thinking it was, you know, a cold on the horizon of making its way to bronchitis. Right. And then at that point, the weekend hits and I have a fever. I feel horrible. I feel weak. Um, I'm trying to run your regular weekend errands and I'm just physically drained and not feeling well and coughing more. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I spend the Sunday at home in bed um, getting ready to start taking those antibiotics. Mm -hmm. And by the Monday morning, I was fever of 103. um, Chills, coughing, then um, what really happened that made me extremely nervous and starting to, you know, again, watching the news and seeing what the, the varying symptoms were for COVID, mm-hmm. um, I started to have shortness of breath, which again, as I said, I'm asthmatic. So, you know, you're thinking, okay, is this my asthma just being flared up because I'm not feeling well and my immune system's off? Right. Or is this something more? Um, and by the Monday morning, as I said, I was significantly worse and that I was having coughing, fever, shortness of breath, and then chest tightness. Mm. Um, and I sounded um, very like hoarse and not so sexy. <laughs> um, I, I was talking to my boss and, you know, I didn't sound sexy. Mm-hmm. And 
he thought he said you know I really think you should go get tested for COVID um, for COVID mm-hmm. and I was hesitant at first but I was like okay and I called the Department of Health which was the way you were supposed to get tested in New York mm-hmm. and they were taking a really long time to get back to me and I luckily had access to another health service mm-hmm. that was doing testing if you had significant symptoms which mm-hmm. as I said I was having the shortness of breath and the tightness of chest and I had an underlying condition of asthma right. so I got tested that Tuesday mm-hmm. I got very lucky I was able to get tested that Tuesday and by the Friday they had confirmed that I had COVID I had tested positive for COVID right. um, and there wasn't anything specifically to treat it there weren't any drugs in particular to, to treat it Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, obviously starting to feel really poorly. Um, I had no energy. I, my fever kept spiking up and down. The coughing was intensive. And I think the biggest fear was having moments where I just could not breathe, where I was just right. desperately gasping for air. Mm-hmm. Um, and by this point, I guess I had been technically sick mm-hmm. about seven days. Right. Okay. So they kept saying to me that, you know, in truth, you know, normally by the 10th day or so, that's when you sort of peak and, you know, your symptoms may get worse. um, But after that, you're over it. And within 14 days, you'll be feeling better. So I kept waiting for that 14 day mark and Mm -hmm. 14 days had come and I still Mm -hmm. felt the same in that my symptoms just started to continue to progress. So as I said, it started initially with a cough, then it went Mm -hmm. to, well, it started initially with a sore throat, then it went to a cough, Mm -hmm. then it went to the fever, which my fevers kept spiking Mm -hmm. um, between, you know, my one, you know, at one point my temperature would be 99 degrees and then another would be 103 and then Mm -hmm. an hour later it'd be one or two, which is very up and down. Um, And then the continuous bouts of having the shortness of breath and they said mm-hmm. well look you're positive what we recommend you do is just take you know cold and flu medicines continue to use your albuterol inhaler which is what i have for my asthma mm-hmm. and um monitor you know your temperature and if it spikes to 103 mm-hmm. um you should probably take yourself to an emergency room got it which i had spiked to 103 but as i said you know hospitals were really scary at that time in New York. ERs were overcrowded. Patients mm-hmm. were dying. They couldn't support them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just really frightened at the idea of going to an ER and mm-hmm. being alone because you couldn't go with your family. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't want to subject them to this. Um, and not having you know anyone to advocate me or be put on a ventilator. Yes. So I decided to weather it out at home um, at that point and you know fight through the tightness of chest and when Mm -hmm. I say tightness of chest I want you to just imagine if you have like a really heavy dog an 80 pound dog Mm -hmm. sitting on your chest and Mm -hmm. feeling like you're constricted Mm -hmm. um, unable to sort of breathe Mm -hmm. so I would you know it's cold here so I would have the windows open hoping to get additional air Mm -hmm. into my um, home so that I could help 
mm-hmm. try and breathe, which was it was really uncomfortable, as mm-hmm. well as you know trying to take care of yourself because you're now in a quarantine situation where mm-hmm. no one can be near you and you don't want to infect anyone, and just trying to like mm-hmm. cook for yourself, right? You feel horrible, but you don't have the energy, right, um, to do anything, and. Um, I kind of continued to have additional symptoms. So um, at some point later, you know, in addition to the fatigue, I felt a little bit of diarrhea, um, Mm -hmm. but it kind of came and and went. Um, So, and you know, there was no, as I said, treatment. So it's basically continue to use your albuterol inhaler, continue to take flu medicines, Mm -hmm. you know, take only Tylenol because at one point the misinformation surrounding it was really key and they would tell you you can't take anti-inflammatories or um, so you were just mindful of what you could take and also just getting access to these things Um, Tylenol like Tylenol and um, thermometers were just not in stores or on shelves Mm. I mean it really became difficult to do anything in New York Mm. having food delivered became extremely difficult I mean the whole um city had ultimately shut down mm-hmm. and I live in a suburb so that makes it even more challenging yeah. um, with respect to having delivery services come Access, to your door yeah. mm-hmm. um, and having food deliveries and it's not like you know I'm technically as you know with the quarantine you're supposed if you've been um, identified as COVID positive you're not supposed to leave your home you're right. quarantined in theory for 14 days and not until that um can you live wow so that also came with its own challenges and so 14 day 14 came and I didn't feel any better Mm -hmm. um which was weird so you know again I called the concierge health service and said look I still have a fever I still have you know this tightness of chest I'm still having a hard time um breathing breathing I'm still Mm -hmm. having the chills I'm you know all these different things are still happening I'm still coughing uncontrollably and you know Mm -hmm. it's one thing when you have a cough and you're like okay this is just a two-minute cough but when you're coughing for five and six minutes straight Mm -hmm. it's literally draining on top of all the other things you're experiencing yeah um and it makes it difficult just for you to even function and take care of yourself and I live alone so mm-hmm. that was an additional challenge. And even if I didn't live alone, I would still have to keep myself from anyone else. Right. Um, so day 14 comes and I'm like, I still feel this way. And they say, it's okay. You know, some people have it a little longer, but you're past what we consider to be the difficult time. And this is again, mm-hmm. when information about this was still very slim, it was still unclear. And mm-hmm. I think today, to this day, it's still unclear, right? We're still yeah. learning and mm-hmm. understanding um, what, various symptoms individuals have and the impact it's having on people's bodies and organs um and along so on day 15 I said okay I'll just keep going as I'm going and they said it's just taking you a little longer Mm -hmm. so by that point I also had um other friends who had tested positive and I was Mm -hmm. talking to them and one friend had completely different symptoms they had a severe headache for three weeks um they had no fever but they just had a debilitating headache and I'm like well I'm having a completely different experience and Mm -hmm. I had another friend who tested positive and literally had you know just the 14 days that they talk about or 
maybe a touch more. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking, well, what's wrong with me? Right. And then um, debating, you know, what do I do? Right. You're scared. Mm-hmm. I'm scared. Mm-hmm. I'm alone. And I feel horrible. And mm-hmm. I keep having a doctor tell me basically, it's okay. Just give it, you know, three more days. more days. Yeah. Yeah. So on day 20, um, in the middle of the night when, and by the way, you know, when you feel this way, you're not sleeping, your body yeah. is just completely mm-hmm. up and down. Um, by day 20, it was 3am and I was literally crying on the bench in my apartment because I could not breathe and I felt I was going to die. And mm-hmm. I happen to have a balcony. So I, um, opened the, the, the balcony and went out on it because I was gasping I mean absolutely impossible to breathe and I was thinking to myself okay what do I do as I'm trying to get air into my lungs Mm -hmm. do I I'm I'm using my inhaler something that I use occasionally but now I'm literally using my inhaler at least twice a day not twice a day I'm sorry like twice an hour which is not the norm recommended yeah um, by any means but I'm I'm desperate right and I'm thinking like I'm, I'm hanging off my terrace and I'm like, okay, you know, I'm in my mind. I'm like, someone's going to find my body here. That's, that's, that's all that's going to happen. Someone's going to ultimately find my body who knows when. Um, and you know, and then I was having the conversation with myself, right? Cause you, this is what you're doing. You're panicking, which is not helping. I think that adds another layer of anxiety yeah. um, on top of your difficulty of already Applications yes. with the shortness of breath and the not mm-hmm. breathing and having a fever yeah. um, and really being warm and just uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, okay. It's a, a is this the time? situation, you know, it's a Absolutely. lot happening at, at once. Absolutely. And I'm now thinking to myself, um, should I take myself to the hospital? Is this the point where I really have to go? Right. Where, where am I comfortable dying, right? Am I, am I comfortable dying here or at a hospital where, you know, who knows what will happen? Right. And having to have that thought process and sort of, you know, walking back and forth. And at one point I had to sort of pick up my Bible and, you know, was just sitting on my bench reading my Bible. My grandmother mm-hmm. always read Psalms 91. And I just found myself sitting there going okay if I can make it to 5 Mm a.m if I can just make it to 5 a.m then I will call the health service and see what they recommend which Mm -hmm. I knew would be the hospital and um ultimately at some point during this I had gotten a nebulizer machine from a friend who pretty much saved my life by recommending I order one Mm -hmm. Um, and in the past, my asthma has been something that, you know, I have moments of it, but it's not a regular, consistent thing that bothers me. Yeah. Um, I would never really, you know, if I needed, if it got so severe that I needed to do a nebulizer treatment, um, which is ultimately 15 minutes of the albuterol solution that's in an inhaler right. that you normally take, you know, two quick pumps when you're mm-hmm. having an asthma attack on mm-hmm. for instant relief. Yes. That solution you're inhaling for basically 15 minutes yes. right, to help expand mm-hmm. your lungs. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so, which I didn't have the medicine for it. I just had the machine that um, one of my friends, when I was saying, I'm not feeling well, said, you should get one. And I'm really grateful that they told me to do that because if I hadn't, mm-hmm. I don't know necessarily that I would have made it through 
um, mm-hmm. without having to go to the hospital. So mm-hmm. that morning I called the health center and said, look, I, this is what's happened. And they said, you should go to the hospital. And I said, I have a nebulizer machine. Is it possible for you to prescribe the solution mm-hmm. and let me give that a try? Um, so they gave me Advair, which is an oral steroid right. as well. And they gave me the albuterol solution. And one of my friends went and picked it up and sort of dropped it at my front door. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tried it and it made a big difference in that. It kept my passageways, yeah. my ear passageways open, open a mm-hmm. lot longer. Yeah. Um, so I was doing that twice a day in conjunction with the oral steroid mm-hmm. along with the cold and flu. And this is now you know this is day 25 and I'm still in the same place wow um and I'm going okay I don't understand like you said it's a 14 day thing (laughs) and it's supposed to be a few more days like Mm -hmm. what's wrong with me what what is it about my immune system that's not fighting this thing off Mm -hmm. um why are my symptoms not you know sort of reducing the coughing has now progressed from 10 minute coughing fits Mm -hmm. to you know, 15 minute coughing fits and then mm-hmm. a break of five minutes. Um, and the fevers are now hovering at low grade fevers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, thankfully it's not 103, but it's still 101. Um, right. And the tightness of chest and the um, shortness of breath is better with utilizing my um, steroid and my. Um, and taking the albuterol solution, but it's not going away. Yeah. I still have yeah. this discomfort. It's I temporary. still have this elephant. And at mm-hmm. one point I was doing a nebulizer treatment and you know, as many chairs as I have in here, sometimes I'm just comfortable sitting on the floor. Mm-hmm. And I went to get up and in that moment, it felt like not only was there that 80 pound dog on my back, mm-hmm. but then it felt like I was trying to lift an 80, you know, an 800 pound elephant. Mm-hmm. Everything hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just comp- like my whole body ate. Wow. Um, and I think I was so consumed with my other symptoms, especially the shortness of breath, that I wasn't even able to process some of the other things I was experiencing in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so things are getting a little bit better from the perspective of, you know, these treatments are helping mm-hmm. and I don't feel as horrific, but I still don't feel anywhere near myself and definitely not better um and ultimately I get to day 35 Mm -hmm. um and (laughs) I am completely like I don't understand and I go and I get tested again Mm -hmm. um in between there at some point I went to the doctor I don't remember it probably was around day 28 it was after I got in the nebulizers and mm-hmm. so forth on and they were like we want to make sure you don't have pneumonia in your lungs which is something that exhibits yes and they sent me to go do a chest x-ray um and I was lucky that I didn't have what they reference as sometimes mm-hmm. as flash shards mm-hmm. appearing on the lung so they look that's a good sign um and they gave me additional medicine for the coughing, mm-hmm. which didn't help me at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I still kept coughing. And day 35, 
I felt a bit better, was getting there, and I wound up deciding to get retested. Mm-hmm. Um, I was lucky enough to get access to a test because getting tested was also extremely difficult. Yeah. Um, and on day 35, um, eventually when I got the results, you know, a few days later, I was still positive for COVID. Right. And everything that everyone is, you know, communicating about this being a 14-day illness mm-hmm. and that, you know, there are just some, a few people. Mm-hmm. Um doesn't make sense and at the same time I have a colleague who her sister was sick pretty much around the same time mm-hmm. and it was the only solace I sort of had was because her sister was like me she mm-hmm. was also continuing to have experiences she was struggling more with fatigue and fever I mean mm-hmm. she couldn't get out of bed mm-hmm. um, though she was asthmatic she did not have as much asthma related symptoms right um but it was the only thing that made me feel like, okay, I'm not the only crazy person, right? Because mm-hmm. there's all this information that's not completely clear on the news. Right. And the medical staff that I'm interacting with, you know, they're basically saying you're doing all that you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at some point around in the days of the 30s, I started to get these unbelievable chest pains. Yes, I remember those. Um, and I didn't know what it was. And I was thinking to myself, like, am I having a heart attack? Mm-hmm. You know, what's going on? And it was just really, really just dis- uncomfortable. And I wound up calling um, the cardiologist who provides services for my parents. And mm-hmm. I have a good relationship with her. And she said, look, I can't see you in person. Mm-hmm. And we did a telehealth visit and she scheduled me for an echocardiogram mm-hmm. and a couple other tests. And she said, you know, come in and, and, and do those things and let's see what the results are, which mm-hmm. was also something that was really frightening because it was not, now I have to go to an actual hospital mm-hmm. to do this testing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know like what what I'm going to experience, yeah. right? And they're telling you like you got to wear gloves and you have to wear a mask and you have to, you know, make sure that, you know, you don't have a fever. Mm-hmm. And I'm someone who's my fevers are coming and going. So are they going to send me back without me knowing and what's going to happen? So thankfully, by the time I got to the hospital, I didn't have a fever mm-hmm. um, at mm-hmm. that time and was able to do the test. But, you know, the hospital in the area for where these types of exams were was a complete ghost town. Right. The staff was a shell. Um, and driving even into the city, it was empty, which is also something that was disheartening mm-hmm. in, you know, what is our world like? What is this yeah. new normal becoming? Um, which I don't think helps also sort of the mental state of, you know, already being frightened. Right. Um, so... The good news is after they did the test and coincidentally it just so happened that my cardiologist who was running and working in the intensive care unit for people Mm -hmm. who were severe um, COVID patients Mm -hmm. and having complications, she happened to be in the building that day and coincidentally I ran into her and I didn't even recognize her because she is, I mean, she looks like a space woman with all of this additional protective gear she's wearing. She recognized me before I recognized her and luckily enough was able to go in to the um, technician who did did my test and Mm -hmm. look at my results really like at that moment. I was, I will say through this entire experience, Mm -hmm. 
I have been truly blessed and lucky mm-hmm. um, and sort of the coincidental benefits <laughs> that I sort of lucked into. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that some of those things probably were really beneficial to me getting on the other side of COVID. Right. Um, and I could see how not having some of those things, including access to this additional healthcare service, yeah. um, could have impacted what my outcome was. And this um, additional health is- service is, sorry, um, this additional health service is through your insurance because of your job and that kind of it's, thing. It's through my, actually, it's not even through my insurance. I mean, it is and it isn't. It's through my employer. They provide a mm-hmm. concierge health service mm-hmm. um, because we all travel a lot and yeah. they ultimately want, they want to keep us traveling a lot. So <laughs> they provide access to what we call a 24 hour health service mm-hmm. that you can do video um, health. They also have, um, offices in which you can visit, which they were closed down regularly. Like you couldn't just go in there um, and see a regular GYN or a regular um, GP, ordinary doctor or any of those things. Their their pediatrician, nothing. They had closed all of their businesses, all of their offices. The only way you could interact with one of their physicians was via uh, video chat, which is you know, predominantly what New York was anyway, mm-hmm. um, separate and apart from my actual regular primary doctor care. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was very lucky that my co- company provided that level of service. Um, but, you know, that's not something that anyone would have access to. And for someone who wanted to pay for it outside of it, mm-hmm. it's a premium cost. Yes. Um, so I was very lucky in that I had that opportunity. And mm-hmm it made a factor I was very lucky in that a friend recommended get this nebulizer right yeah. which if I hadn't done that I would have had no choice mm-hmm. um, I was very lucky in that you know I had a cardiologist that I could call versus having to find one yes um, who would have you know who's taking new patients let's just say mm-hmm. at this time um, so you know I'm blessed and I appreciate some of those things that sort of helped make a path for me to get on the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, after the test results were done, the good news is there was nothing there um, in my heart. The, they you know, said, we're not sure what's causing this. It's probably your body just overreacting as well as you've been you know, coughing for 30 plus days. Your um, um, whole bronchial tract is inflamed. Wow. Um, and that's also having an impact and could be causing some of these palpitations. But, you know, again, already not feeling well and not being able to sleep when on top of that, to have those palpitations was very uncomfortable yeah. and frightening. Mm-hmm. So one more layer. Um, we get to the point, I guess, at like, you know, day 40, 45, wow. and I'm feeling much better, but I'm still sick. I mean, we mm-hmm. are approaching weeks of this. Mm-hmm. Um, at some point, they decided to give me additional antibiotics, which, you know, they were saying they don't really help, um, but they thought that it might help to alleviate some of the additional symptoms, side effects mm-hmm. from the symptoms I was having, mm-hmm. um, including the coughing. Okay. That hadn't gone away with, you know, 
you know, the, the normal codeine cough medicine people get prescribed or um, some additional cough medicines they would, prescription cough medicines they would give you. Mm-hmm. Those things hadn't worked for me. Got it. Um, and ultimately that helps that those antibiotics did help mm-hmm. um so i do think that helped with some i guess with, with some of the internal inflammation i was having mm-hmm. um and then it wasn't until 10 weeks later mm-hmm. that i got retested again and finally was testing negative wow um for covid um and was starting to truly feel more like myself mm-hmm. i mm-hmm. still had you know, some lingering symptoms with the shortness of breath, but the tightness of chest was gone. Okay. You know, my body aches were gone. My fever, I would say around week six, the fevers had pretty much gone. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you, I wasn't checking my temperature every hour in the hour. It was at some point, it just sort of was like, you know your body and how it feels. Right. And when you're running hot, um... And at that point, I engaged a pulmonologist because I was like, why am I still having the shortness of breath? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And at one point, again, they recommended doing a PFT test. Yeah, it's pulmonary function test. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's a two-part test in which you're sort of, they're using an instrument um, similar to a spirometer spirometer meter that you're breathing into and seeing how long one component of the test is what they call a diffusion capacity test which unfortunately when I was done Mm -hmm. I did not um, my results came back abnormal and they said well you know your body your body's been through a lot and Mm -hmm. Your chest and lungs have been through a lot and you are asthmatic and this really may be a, you know, and ultimately what it means is that there's an obstruction in your lung, mm-hmm. um, which is preventing you from fully breathing at full capacity. That's crazy to me. Um, and they said, well, you know, we think, we think with you continuing to stay on the oral steroids, it's something that can get better, hopefully. You know, we've seen different things, but we still just don't know enough. So why don't you continue to take um, take the oral steroids, continue to use the albuterol inhalers as you need them, um, and then go from there. Which, by week 10, I would say that um, I was still using, you know, doing the nebulizer treatments twice a day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did not need to use my inhaler as much throughout the day, which, mm-hmm. you know, by, as I said, in week five, yeah. I was literally still living on everything. Right. Right. So that was um, a good sign. Yeah, it was a good sign. And then the next thing was they said, okay, what we want to do is we want to do a CAT scan of your mm-hmm. lungs and see what's going on so I a couple weeks later I did that and the good news is you know the only thing they saw from that was this thickening of the bronchial tubes okay. which isn't uncommon for someone who's asthmatic 
but probably the level of severity of it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, was greater than probably what it would have been prior to COVID for me. Yes. Yes. Um, I understand it's been reported in, you know, a large percent of patients who've had COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, they're continuing sort of to manage it and monitor it. Mm-hmm. So from where I am now, which from March 16th to now in September, mm-hmm. definitely feel 110 times better. Right. I don't have, you know, there are moments when I have what I think to be shortness of breath that's not normal. And I try to work through it as opposed to using in my inhaler because I try not to be solely dependent. Right. But when I need to, I use it. Um, I haven't been using the nebulizer treatments anymore. I'm still on the oral steroids. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a, you know, I have to redo the PFT test to see whether or not the, um, I will, there's become, it's become more abnormal, more normal, I should Mm -hmm. say, Mm -hmm. as it relates to me hopefully being able to pass the diffusion capacity test. And they're going to monitor to see whether or not the the thickening of the walls, there's any reduction in that over time. Right. Um, But there are still moments where I just don't feel myself and it's hard to explain. Um, There are moments where I feel a level of fatigue that, you know, and I say the best way to explain it is, you know, like sometimes we all procrastinate when we have something to do. Right. But it's more than procrastinating because you know you're making a choice. Sometimes it's just a situation where, like, my mind, I, my physical body is just like, I can't even focus. Right. I just <laughs> I just don't have the energy to do it mm-hmm. um, versus not wanting to do it. Um, I know that some people have had lingering fatigue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's happened. I don't think that I have an extreme case of that. But I definitely think there's some level of fatigue that is not my normal behavior or pattern um, that I've noticed is still sort of around. And I think there are things that happen, as I said, that like discomfort that I'm not sure about. So I think the next stop for me, um, just to sort of rule out what's going on is um, an ENT, your nose and throat doctor, mm-hmm. because there's the, that area still has some level of discomfort. And I don't know if it's impacted some other part of my body that I haven't quite figured got out. It. Yeah, got it. Um, I will tell you that my neighbor also had COVID and they found issues with her kidney that had nothing to do with before she had COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and it had impacted her completely different and we were sick around the same time and for probably a similar amount of time as well. Right. So I think one of the things we've learned is, you know, it it over time evades various organs in your body. And I think we're going to learn that there are um, some lingering symptoms or medical issues for some people and for others. Because I, as I said, I've had other friends who had it. They did their, you know, two, three weeks and they're feeling fine. Or they don't know they're not, not they're not <laughs> I don't know if it's, they just don't know or what but you know they feel fine back to normal right. things are all great hmm. so that was my experience um, as I said I'm grateful 
it has put a, a it's given me a new perspective on a host of different things right of course um, life and life mm-hmm. yeah and just reassessing sort of some of the priorities that I have mm-hmm. and how I envision things and I think this year has been challenging for a lot of people and I think it's helping us to all realize that sometimes things we chose to put off we shouldn't or sometimes mm-hmm. things we choose to say to people we should say it now yeah. wow That's my story thank you so much for sharing that with me I feel like from what I remember um, in my mind I was just like okay it's it's been two weeks it's been three weeks it's been four weeks and she's still not better so what the hell is going on you know there was a genuine worry after some time but I felt like the nebulizer treatment that you said was really working for you because you could tell the difference in talking to you um, once you started that mode of treatment um, tell me something did you have a uh, loss of taste or smell I never had loss of taste or loss of smell that I noticed um, again I think different people have different yeah. symptoms well they have different I, strains too so you know who knows yeah I never those were that was not a symptom and I think I would have remembered the loss of taste or smell right granted I what I will say this I wasn't eating Right. as much as I probably should have I wasn't feeling that great you know mm-hmm. it's hard to make meals for myself mm-hmm. um, with the energy I had at the time mm-hmm. um, but I will and I will tell you that I lost I mean the one thing about COVID for me was I lost 15 pounds right <laughs> when all was said and done <laughs> um, I assure you I put them all back on uh, <laughs> well you know what that's not bad because you know uh, I, I want to I want to share on the weight loss if if you know that's what you wanted, but then, yo, at that 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 cost, uh, uh, I yeah, to keep it. it's not it's not my it's not my recommended uh, dieting plan. Yes, 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 um, at all. But it was one <laughs> of the things that happened Understood. as a result of COVID. Understood. Wow. Um, are you back out to work now, or you are working from home? Like, what is the current? climate um, and how it works with your office and that kind of thing so I'm continuing to work from home I probably will be working from home until the end of the year right um, as I said I used to travel a lot for work I have we are banned from traveling Good. Um, which comes with its own challenges in terms of what I do of course but um, I'm definitely working from home and I will say that again a part of one of the things that I felt really lucky about is you know one it was my manager that basically insisted that I go get tested right and I'm glad that he did because maybe I would have dragged it on a little bit longer yeah. and I had a management team that was very supportive mm-hmm. because that was the one other thing I would say about it is that I would have a day that I felt good and felt like okay I'm almost going I must be going in the right direction mm-hmm. and feel better and then mm-hmm. two days later I felt absolutely horrible right. right I couldn't move so there was also this sort of um, false hope mm-hmm. you were getting and how you were feeling right mm-hmm. um, along this process which mm-hmm. was also sort of hard right because you think okay well they said it'll only be another you know five more days and you think okay here's day five i feel kind of okay and then all of a sudden on day seven of that you're like holy crap i can't get out of bed understood Um, 
but my management team was very flexible mm-hmm. in that if I felt like working that day and I had the energy, mm-hmm. no one sort of pushed. Um, and and what the nature of what I do allows mm-hmm. me to have that ability and flexibility. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I know that's not everyone else. Yeah, yeah. I think you were really fortunate, and and I mean, with your support system, because the reality is that many people may not have the opportunity you had. You know, in terms of like the travel. Um, the health frontier service and things like that um, but I'm so happy that it worked out I'm so so happy yeah. that it worked out despite of Me you too. know the length of time you were, you weren't feeling well and I have great friends like you who checked on me and you know even okay. though sometimes I didn't always feel like talking I know um, it helps to have people check in on you especially when you know you feel like will anyone know if something's wrong yes yes <laughs> that is so true there was one other thing I just sort of wanted to say because I don't want to leave off like if you have a nebulizer that's the answer because a girlfriend of mine who also got really sick and also had a nebulizer she still mm-hmm. wound up in the hospital and she did wind up on a ventilator and thankfully she did actually get to come off mm-hmm. um, so I don't want the false the the I don't want there to be a false impression that that's the answer yeah. what I do think people should do is they should be mindful of their bodies Mm-hmm. Because, you know, some if something doesn't feel right and you know that, then mm-hmm. there's probably something that you should look into and people should take it seriously. Yeah. Um, the other point that I just sort of wanted to make was, you know, we all go through different things. And this is just a high level about life. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, there are different people who took it seriously and right. people who don't take it seriously. But you never know what someone else is going through. And I think it's important to be conscious of how you communicate Mm -hmm. and what you say um, Mm -hmm. about COVID. Yeah. um, Because you don't know whether or not the person you're talking to is someone who has either lost a family member or who's had Mm -hmm. an experience themselves where they, you know, had a severe case. Right. Um, and I know we joke about it. I know even when I was in Trinidad for Carnival, we were laughing and saying, oh, Black people won't get this. Black right. people won't get this. It was like one of the biggest jokes around and yeah. in retrospect, so far from the truth. So I just want to urge and encourage others to listen to their bodies, be mindful of the conversations they're having. Um, and yeah, it's okay occasionally to make a joke, but it's the kind of joke you make that may have an impact or in, in, hurt someone unintentionally Yeah, um, because you don't know what they've gone through. And I, I will say I've also lost friends and family members to COVID. So right. not only having experienced it myself, having friends who experienced it and had mild cases or not even severe cases mm-hmm. and I'm grateful that they they did I also know the other side of it not yeah. to mention my own experience yeah okay I just wanted to put that out there well thank you so much for sharing that I think it was an important caveat um with regards to this conversation so I'm glad to hear like are you concerned that maybe people are becoming a little too comfortable right now what, what are your concerns in that area So at least for New York specifically, Mm -hmm. um, we have been, uh, we haven't had any, the COVID test rate has been at 1% for over 20 plus days currently. Right. 
which is really good. And I think New York State took an aggressive approach with its lockdown. I think mm-hmm. people were taking it seriously and people were making wearing their masks and incorrectly, but they were still wearing it. Mm-hmm. Please note that you need to cover your nose um, <laughs> as well as your mouth. And um, the city has been opening up slowly. I think that mm-hmm. it's not exactly the same by mm-hmm. any means. It's not as vibrant, it's not as alive. You know, mm-hmm. you could normally drive into the city and be in bumper to bumper traffic for hours. Mm-hmm. We're starting to see that happen again, but not at the same volume right. um, as the past, as well as just walking in the streets. They were packed, jam packed with people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you don't see that right now. I think we are starting to get back to a place and I think our weather is changing. Um, yes. Flu season is knocking at the door. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's also going to sort of play a role on, and schools are getting ready to start on mm-hmm. what our numbers look like. But I also will say that the rest of this country and the states has not necessarily handled um, their response to COVID the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we see hotbeds in other states mm-hmm. um, and numbers and mortality at a frightening rate as yeah. a result of COVID. Mm-hmm. And you would think that, you know, as a country, we would have additional or more guidance as it relates to an overall strategy mm-hmm. for managing COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I think New York was really good about not in the beginning it had you know it had to take time and i think a lot of this was just you know being lack of prepared but testing has been Mm -hmm. more accessible by far um, from where we were in march and i think that also makes a very big difference with respect to knowing what's going on and understanding for those who are willing to do it Mm -hmm. not saying everyone is Mm -hmm. but i think a large majority of our population you know has been doing it um, especially in some of the harder hit areas. And I think that's been advantageous to, to our success in New York. And I, mm-hmm. I use the word success loosely. Yes. Um, but as a country, I think we're falling short and it's that's frightening. Right. And I'm not mm-hmm. sure what that's going to look like, um, you know, as the, 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 the years comes to an end. You know, I'm hoping as a country we will be in a better place similar in terms of numbers as we are in New York. Mm -hmm. But I don't know um, whether that's true or not. And I think it's a little bit disheartening to see that sort of the numbers in the Caribbean are also ticking up Mm -hmm. as Mm -hmm. well. I think, well, that's, I mean, I can say for here, I think what happened is we became very comfortable, you know, with no cases, no active cases. And we were like, you know, we got this. Um, and then started behaving irresponsibly. I would say I can understand for a lot of people on the whole, humans are beginning to be fed up of being locked up inside, right? We're social creatures and it's, it's, the, it's tough to live the way we've been living for the last few months. And so now more than just wanting to be protected people want to get out and it really you know that that feeling of wanting to just do things and and see people and do all the things we used to do as as normal is really superseding the need to hunker down and protect ourselves um and you know we're not quite thinking it through when we do things 
because we also have to realize that of course masks aren't 100% foolproof um, and you don't know who can have COVID there are people who would test positive and not have a stitch of symptom symptom. yeah Yeah. so you don't know who you're dealing with or who can have it Um, and while there are people who are very very scared there are people who are like meh it doesn't matter you know um and that's a rough place to be so for the caribbean and the caribbean too just like what you said earlier you know we are all convinced that we can drink some ginger tea and shop some punching and it's gonna be okay um that that doesn't work for everything uh it certainly didn't work for you right i Um, tried i assure you i know (laughs) i know rum if anyone wants to know for certain rum does not kill covid it does not (laughs) thank you so much I know a few people who tried whiskey as well. So whiskey doesn't rum and whiskey are Uh, not cures for COVID. FYI. Please, ladies and gentlemen, please know it does not kill COVID. Okay. Take care. Bye. All right, so um, obviously I wanted to chat with you based on your post, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, My uh, unintentionally uh, viral post. I know, I know, I know. Uh, well, I mean, you know, what happens when you share, you know, real stories that tend, yeah. tend to, you know, take on a life of their own. And I think that's good because I found that a lot of the, you know, the narrative coming out of, Trinidad and Tobago in terms of COVID and how we're handling it and people going to the hospital and that kind of stuff has been predominantly negative mm-hmm. um, if people are having good experiences I've, I've seen a few people post good experiences and then delete it shortly after so I don't know if that's because wow. of the you know reaction to it or the commentary especially on the heels of elections where there, you know there's a lot of hackles raised based on you know the PNM and the UNT and da, 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 da. yeah I was about to say um I think it it's you know 2019 is 2020 2020 is an interesting <laughs> decade because this I know yeah this is a decade she yes. is a whole decade on her own reach this <laughs> <laughs> um and I think that there's just so much going on COVID notwithstanding that people are just you know you you seem you say one thing and it, it feels like you know just you just throw some kerosene on it and i think yes. you know covid is no different and mm-hmm. you know people I, I part of the reason i wrote my post is one to you know let people just let friends and family know what was going on again i really did not expect it to to take on the life um that it did right um and the other reason was to kind of demystify and destigmatize what i mean before it happened to me i was like my god i can't get it i'm gonna die um (laughs) and this is not to obviously discount the the people who have you know become really sick and of course those who have died and you know we wish their families around the world and they came to down to be we wish them well and you know send them love and light as they cope with their death yeah um but i think it was really important like i said to kind of demystify the whole thing um mm-hmm. even globally numbers the numbers do suggest that 
you won't you, you're not gonna die unless you're you know in a in a particular high-risk group etc yes but, but as you said most of the information coming out of trinidad and tobago seemed to be quite heavy and negative and as yes. we drew closer and closer to the august 10th election covid became this political yes. tool yep, yep used for both positive and negative Yes. So I, I mean, I, I, I didn't know about people deleting their posts, but it doesn't surprise mm-hmm. me. It really, yes. really does not surprise me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I tried to strike some balance in the post in terms of, you know, because there were some negative things in terms of the food and whatnot. But so mm-hmm. I really tried to balance it as much as I could because I was also aware of the, the climate and I didn't want it to seem like this, yeah. you know, pro PNM post. Yes, <laughs> versus this you know anti-unc post and yes. you know whatever whatever it, it was it really was meant to be a post for anybody who read it to extract mm-hmm. information from it you know political band aside mm-hmm. um and i think based on based on the wide spectrum of people that seem to have shared it or read it i i think it, it did accomplish that because COVID is not COVID doesn't care if you're you know red, yellow, UNC, GOP, green, orange, everything. It doesn't matter. It, it's it's it does not discriminate. It is not gonna right. you know. It's not like you know the Passover where you know you know that story that biblical story where they put the the blood of I want to say a lamb yes, on yes uh, you know on, on the yeah any door and you know yes. that was that was the indication um, for the plague. Yes. not to attack that family that it, that that's yeah COVID is not that yeah. <laughs> it's not mm-hmm. that so it really calls for everybody to be on board and be ready you know whatever that looks like for them and responsible for the yeah yeah absolutely yeah this is done this is not discounting everything that we've been told for months in terms of sanitize wear your mask and i can tell you the mask works because mm-hmm. when i the there was a day it was a wednesday before I knew anything and mm-hmm. I have gone to get beauty services done so people were literally in my face right they were masked up I was masked up the place was sanitized and those people are fine and they were literally in my face wow so wow. you know all these people who say they mask don't work I am I and the service providers who attended to me are living mm-hmm. breathing proof that they work yeah, yeah, because I think one of the things people keep saying is, you know, you, there's no way to totally stop the droplets and blah, 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 blah. But I keep saying to people that it really isn't about you when you wear a mask, but it's about the other person no, no. who on the receiving end. So you're yeah, right. That is, that is, you know, true testament to the fact that this is how masks are supposed to work. Yeah, and I didn't get tested for me specifically either. I had been around my parents right um who of course older um i do have immunocompromised people in my family mm-hmm. and when from the time i lost my taste and smell i knew what time it was right i right. I, I i could have continued doing what i was doing in the first place which was a self-isolating at home mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and if of course if anything got worse then sure i would have gone and sought medical attention but i didn't i didn't get tested for me Right. I went because I needed to know, and they needed to know um, if they, if it, if they had been exposed, and then they in turn got tested. And it really wasn't just for me. And okay. even in that one, me, I am one person with one case. 
And I I cause the closure of two offices. So wearing a mask is not for me or or for you. It is there's there's a wider implication, you know, both medically and economically. Yes. You know, we we mean the prime minister said we can't afford to shut down again, and we can't. Um, (laughs) But what that means is that, unfortunately, however, if you know people do present positive, business places either have to close for a week, close for the day to sanitize. Like there is an there is an economic fallout of just not wearing a mask. Yes. Yes. I mean I, I can't see how people can't see that. But then again, I, you know, we're all at, at different perspectives and um I think we can all agree that there are people out there who simply don't believe that, you know, COVID is a thing. That it's, is true. That is re- yeah. yeah. But I also think that uh, I mean, you know, people's privacy is is you know totally up to their discretion their stories or their stories to tell or not to tell but Mm -hmm. i do think that there's merit in people coming forward and telling their stories and so that i i don't Mm -hmm. think people aren't seeing the impact what they are seeing is you know daily press releases with numbers but there's Mm -hmm. no story attached to it so and if you see that it's like anything you're overexposed to Mm -hmm. eventually it's just not going to to ring home until you read a post like mine or until a family member or until a you know a member of your of your circle does you know present positive and only then or or your office has to close correct Um, and until and unless we share those stories i don't know that people are truly going to understand what it really means i agree i agree i think i mean i can i can say it about myself um after some time like the pressers no longer you know before i used to be kind of excited and ready to you know see it oh yeah every day all up in those press conferences yeah (laughs) now i'm like on the evening time when i'm speaking to people like hey uh what did the presser say today because i didn't even bother to go look at it because it's just gonna be numbers it's just gonna be more cases Mm -hmm. more releases you know people coming in da, 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 da. Um, so we've all gotten used to it uh, and and if nothing else that should be a, a, a pre, you know just a, an indicator to people that hey um, we are all going to get used to it at some point that yeah, everything yeah. is going to you know become an adjustment everything. yeah I mean for me I, I certainly I stopped watching I mean but that, that's just human nature as well. If, yeah. Again, if you're overexposed to something, particularly something negative, mm-hmm. you just, it, a big part of it is self-preservation too. Like your brain can only yes. see so much of it. Yes. Um, I know for my own feeling of peace and mental well-being, I was like, listen, until and unless something huge changes, I'm just going to follow the, the protocols and, you know, and because the, the the information is essentially the same every every day with because after a while, particularly with negative information, you just you get desensitized, and for your own mental well being and you know your own sense of peace, you you switch off. And I certainly switched off, especially if there's the you know there's nothing really changing. There's no drastic. Yes. we still have to do the same protocols and put on the mask and sanitize and, and all of these things so I, I totally understand why some people would just literally switch off and yeah. shut down but that's also why you know going back to what I just said about sharing stories people mm-hmm. need to understand real time impact 
was when we were let out into the wild on on that Wednesday. <laughs> I saw so many Facebook posts of people complaining and how they go let them out and all of that stuff. And I thought yeah. that, that was the other post that I wrote because I thought it was important for people to understand mm-hmm. who was in um, the step down facilities and how long they'd been there. So yeah. I am a total anomaly. I passed through the system like you know some sort of elite athlete because I, I mean my time in, in the system was very short, right. but you know while in. Um, in the step-down facility in particular, um, mm-hmm. you meet people who, first of all, they hold their worth, thank, you know, thankfully, I could speak any past tense now because, you know, the government, as you know, has issued this directive for people to quarantine at home. But, right. I mean, there were whole families in there, they, you know, the one and one of the days, I think it could have been the Wednesday itself, actually. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, heard this little boy just bawling his little eyes out and the mother could do nothing about it and all he kept saying is I want to go home I want to go home and these yeah. people they didn't arrive when I did two days before mm-hmm. they'd been there for a week two weeks after three weeks when I went in there was a girl who said she'd been there for 17 days wow. and by the time she was let out it was it had you know reached a three week mark now understand that this is not mm-hmm. this is after having been at a hospital you don't go to a step right. facility first correct so you're at a hospital for however long again i spent through the system but there were people at cora mm-hmm. and kufa for a week two weeks etc so right. people were home away from home for a month yes so which isn't seen it, yeah, it's wild it's, it's, it's wild i mean it's grand again i'm really happy that you know we're at the point we're at a global standard now where unless you truly are sick, people are, you know, countries are saying quarantine at home um, mm-hmm. you know, because it, it, it doesn't, it just doesn't make sense to overwhelm any health system like that. And it comes Correct. at a phenomenal cost, which, you know, we can talk about. Which later, is true. But mm-hmm. in terms of this stigma and if people, you know, should be in their communities, the people who were in step down facilities had every right to go back home to their families and they... They are, and I, I tell people, I'm the safest person they can line with right now because they've only, as far as I know, been two documented cases around the world um, of reinfection. Right. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to continue exercising, you know, the protocols Proper and whatnot. Because again, yes. this is not just for me. Right. Um, but there's, there's really no reason to stigmatize people. You know who I judge? I judge people who are still liming as though nothing is happening. Those are people I am like, what is wrong with you all? I'm, but, I'm seeing it. The yeah. And people are just doing what they want. And it's insane. And no masks, nothing. Um, I don't understand. It, it, truly, it baffles me. Truly do not understand. And I, I mean, I would hate to be, for example, a bar owner, a gym owner, any of these places at this time but the other side of the coin is if you have data that is saying that these are the places that you know you are breeding the most incidents of the of the virus then something's got to give we can't have you all open have the rules being broken and still expect to win this this Correct, and and expect to win expeditiously. Let's be real. Exactly. Yeah. These are also these same people who are gonna want to understand why we not we can't go anywhere for Christmas or why 
why we can't have parang and parmen, for example. You know? But, oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah, there must be a balance. And again, that's what I'm saying. I think the the the, the, the story needs to change. And we're dealing with walking grown babies. So, <laughs> me, like, if I were in charge of communications, I would be like, okay, you know, when you set a child down, it's okay, do you want this? Okay, great. Well, if you want this, then we have to do this. Like, you need to, people need yeah. to, you know, frame this in a context of, okay, if I sacrifice this now, I'm going to get this yes. later. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I agree. I think, I mean, that is a, a good way to put it in terms of communication on the whole. Um, because, you know what, I think. I, and I can admit to this, there are people who feel like, listen, uh, may be spoken down to or they may be spoken to in a way that, you know, hey, this information is just coming fast and there's no real, you know, um, comfort mm-hmm. in what they're hearing. But maybe, maybe that strategy needs to change. Maybe we need to, you know, exp- I, I mean, I don't know how else the Prime Minister can explain, to be quite honest. Um... I feel like those press conferences are tedious at best because I understand what he's saying and what he's going to say. And then I see comments and you go onto social media and they're like, you know, this is what he's saying and you're all feeding, um, you know, eating up this BS. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, like uh, I feel like this is for some reason that's not happening. This does not translate into some people. I don't know what the difference is, but clearly, you know, clearly I mean, that's... Commu- communication is there's no one size fits all in terms of messaging. Agreed. Agreed. And I think we're at a point now where we have to explore and when I'm uh, this is certainly not just for the government this is business places you know schools. employers schools yeah. I do think I, I think the you know the word of, of the pandemic is pivot and I think yes. the, I think the messaging for all of these everybody's a stakeholder in this right some people get mm-hmm. it some people won't so I think we need to recognize okay let's see which of these stakeholders are not getting it and why Yes, and try and understand what sort of language um, that we can use yes. to help them understand. Because the fact yeah. is, everybody needs to get the message. This is not is not Correct. you know the political campaign, for example, where let's be real, one party is talking to half of the country, the other party is talking to the other half, and there's a very yes. like you know small group in between. Yeah, um, that's not what this is everybody Correct. needs to get the message so and everybody can't get it in the same way so it's time for mm-hmm. all of us to figure out okay what is going to work for those people those commenting on facebook yes um there's actually um because of this forum that i i have during a week um we think and talk forum we you know get together um three days a week at night time and we discuss all these things and at the beginning of the forum which was in april one this is actually something that we discussed in that there are many different people in our society um, mm-hmm. we related to we you know refer to one type of part of our um, population as skinny bone right which is the manly ground 
right um, the man who's hustling you might be working taxi ph you might be doing a plumbing this that and the other but you know nothing above board really he's just doing what he has to do to make right work. and we're not talking about somebody who's doing you know stuff with an intent this is not drugs and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and to be quite honest one there's the distrust of the media there's the distrust of the you know whatever the regime is in place and then there's also the fact that there's simple literacy issues both yeah. digital and you know overall literacy um, in understanding different things so you're right it's something that needs to be looked at from a holistic perspective to understand that listen some people just won't get the message and it's because well we're not making it available to them right yeah so social media isn't the be all and and end all of um, communication lately though it seems to be the, the main thrust that most people use well, and, and the thing is, I mean, the, the flip side is no is traditional media anymore. Correct. Correct. I, it, as bad as it sounds, I cannot tell you the last time I physically opened a newspaper. Well, same here. Right, correct. Absolutely correct. Um, so, yeah, social media is fast becoming more yeah, important a major. than anything. But mm-hmm. what people need to realize, and again, this is this is this is when I say people, this is not just the government. This is literally anybody with a message. Right. The way you host something on traditional media is absolutely not the same way for social media. Social. So, for mm-hmm. example, yeah, sure, most people are looking at the press conferences on their phones via social media. Mm-hmm. But are they extracting the important points afterwards? You think the take homes? Mm-hmm. Are they extracting it in the way that you need them to? Is there a follow up with, um, you know, bite size, you know, yeah, that you can share yeah. on your WhatsApp? Because that is what really goes through this. Yeah, I agree. And you know what? I've seen quite a few companies um, or quite a few individuals who started doing those things. Um, there's Maurice Johnson of the Serenon Group. I love how she does her graphics because, um, you know, she kind of does a whole uh, a little summary right. roundup of what each press conference um, says. And it makes it a lot easier for people to understand because, of course, um, I would just be like, you know, I'll, I'll send you the link. In the right. Like, yeah. you know, I missed I missed it and I'm like, okay, well here's the link. You can watch it there. <laughs> um where Yeah, but then you also it? have to carve out that time Correct. to watch the press conference isn't ten minutes either. Correct. You know? So the roundups or the rounds up, those really do help. Um, you know, simple graphics, very easy to understand and follow. So I must say, um, this entire season, this entire period really has you know opened up a lot of avenues for people to really be creative and to be intentional with the things that they've been doing in terms of spreading information and i've been mm-hmm. really i think we've all been kind of fortunate to see a lot of people and brands grow individual brands grow um and utilize this period to just do good you know it's been nice to see yeah i mean if, if 2020 doesn't change the way just just your whole being whether it's personal professional i mean mm-hmm. you i don't think there's any self-aware person or business that can go through this without some sort of shift right if it's yeah. whether it's not as a shift for the positive or the negative that is a hundred percent up to the people behind it but mm-hmm. this has got to change you in in some way and you're right it's good yeah. to see that some people really are you know kind of 
taking that and running with it and understanding that this is this is this is the time right yeah so you know carve your own carve your own way yeah, to make your own statement yeah yeah, yeah yeah absolutely absolutely i'm um, actually as you said her name just looking at, at this stuff she's producing <laughs> yeah so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'll, I'll definitely you know check check out that the saranon group for sure yes yes her stuff i i like i like the way she does her stuff um um i haven't seen like everybody's but i like that one every time i have to share something that's generally the the post i would i just go to her page and right 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 and right share from there because i find it to be comprehensive for the most part um right so <laughs> right um tell me about your experience so i know that you you began uh losing t- taste and and mm-hmm. smell and what did you do from there so let me say that on uh, so I lost taste and smell on a Monday night but before that so the during the day like Monday morning when I woke up I was quite congested mm-hmm. but I just moved and my one allergy is dust so I really just assumed right. that it, it was a fallout of that and you know Miss Sahara does not leave me alone right. so I just assumed she was knocking on my door again yes Yes, so when I lost, yeah. So when I lost taste on Monday night, I just assumed, I was I was congested, so it made sense, right? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But when I woke up with it on Tuesday, I was like, okay, no, this is not, I, I, it's not something. I know people who they do lose taste and smell. Well, obviously, smell when they're congested, but taste as well. Mm-hmm. But it was mm-hmm. so out of the ordinary for me that mm-hmm. I said no let me go and get a you know proper test done which is what I did so I went on a Tuesday mm-hmm. um, and I opted to test privately because like I said you know I'd been exposed to my parents so it was important for me to know very quickly mm-hmm. what what was going on and you do get your results in two days um, when you test privately Right. So I did the test and of course I knew immediately it didn't matter what was going on, positive or negative, I needed to kind of lock down anyway. Right. Mm-hmm. So I was prepared to, to do that. Um, and I genuinely was only congested. I would say by the Thursday, I was breathing fine. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I have had a cold that I have felt so much worse with. I know the cold where the body hurts and you just yeah. I never felt that. I was I was congested, but I never felt sick, if that makes sense. Got it. Okay. Um okay. so you know when they called on that the same Thursday that the congestion kind of disappeared to say that I was mm-hmm. positive, I was like, really? Because at that point I just had the taste and smell. Right. And that is the one that kind of lingered long for me. In fact okay. it was still something that comes and goes and between reading and you know speaking to other patients um mm-hmm. some people have experienced it for months at a time so i'm i'm wow. really hoping i'm not in that group because <laughs> oh my gosh eating is it, it, Torture, it, it's not it's not it's just boring yeah well <laughs> it, it, it's it's a lot better now than it was um even after a few days ago certainly last week okay. um so trust me, that first day when you can actually taste is like I literally shouted because I'm like, oh my god, I can taste it. Um, <laughs> and even I even thought, you no, know, I am always wanted to do this like celery juice fast or whatever because I mean celery is mm-hmm. very good, but I hate the taste of celery. 
So I said, okay, well, now, now is the time. Now I can do I it. mean, because I literally, <laughs> you can't tell if you're eating raw fish or an apple. Like, there's just, there's nothing. There's no difference. Even wow. texture. Like, it, it's just, like, nothing. I can't even describe it. It's just, it's really just chewing on nothing. Wow. But that was really it, I have to say, for me. Um, when mm-hmm. I think about it, though, um, because I wanted to do a test anyway. Mm-hmm. Um... But when I think about it, the week before, I did feel quite lethargic. But I had also just worked on a very big project. So I'm not sure yeah. what, you know, what it was. Because, it. because it could have been... It could have been that genuinely could have been... Yeah. My body was just feeling you know a bit run down. Because again, after a day or two, I was totally fine. Right. Okay. Um, to the point where I, before the, I was picked up by the ambulance on a Sunday and I worked out hard go on, on the Saturday. I felt fine. Got it. Wow. Yeah. Um, so they tested. I tested on Tuesday. They called me on t- on Thursday night as promised. The two days after, the poor doctor who called me, I feel like she was very junior. <laughs> and it may have been her first time telling a patient that she was positive. Poor thing sounded more terrified than I was. Oh, um, but she said that you know their procedure is to send the information to CAF and the ministry would then be mm-hmm. in touch with me. Got it. Okay. Um, that didn't necessarily happen the way it should have because on Sunday morning they just arrived for me without that you know phone call before. Touching which, FB. Yeah, which which they definitely admitted should not have happened and they were extremely apologetic about it because of course I had no time to prepare. Right. Which is what I wrote about as well, yeah, about the, yeah, the preparation, just... because that was so important. I mean, I think if I had uh, any dependents, kids, you know, older parents, somebody who's, you know, um, bedridden for whatever reason, even pets, mm-hmm. that I mm-hmm. had to, in a matter of 90 minutes, just kind of gather all of my things together and go downstairs for this waiting ambulance. But I do think if I had other people to factor in, this would yeah. have been a problem. Yeah, agreed. and I even, I even said, "Can you come for me on like I'm gonna go, but can you come for me on a, on another day? Like I don't." They're like, "Ma'am, that's not how this works. Like we need yeah, to no, help you." Yeah, no, no, no. So I said, "Okay, well, go for somebody else and give me some more time." They're like, "No, we have to come for you, <laughs> and we have to come for you now." So that is what, and then I, I went into to Cora, um, and that was for about a day and a half. Okay, how was and the Cora experience? I, Cora would, I think it, you could liken it to any public hospital, really. Right. Um, it is old. I think I remember the news telling me it was, it's about 20 or 30 years old. I can't remember. Yes. So yes, it's, it's certainly yes. not air conditioned, but it's very open, very breezy. You know, there mm-hmm. was a fan to every bed. Right. So, you know, you were, you know, boiling hot. Um, mm-hmm. There's no real privacy. I mean, it is, it's like a ward. So you have about right. six, six beds. To each, um, to each kind of block in the ward. So, like I said, very much a public hospital. However, yeah. there is Wi-Fi. There's a smart TV. <laughs> you know, so people were able to very much keep in touch with friends and family and whatnot. That being right. said, you speak to other people. By the time you get to a step-down facility, and I have a friend who was in Coover, and she was like, this is beautiful. Coover <laughs> <laughs> is actually the, the children's hospital. So of course, that's more modern and air-conditioned yes, and all yeah. of these things. And mm-hmm. she told me about um, the, apparently, the, the UE campus in DB is 
very lovely and you have a view and yeah. So, and I feel like these are the things people need to talk about. because Nobody said that. Yeah, I was like, with the I was like, well, why did it send me to Cuba? <laughs> or, or to David, but so when she, the same friend, was going um, to be moved to a step-down facility and they said, Yui, she was very excited because she oh, thought wow. they meant Yui Debi, which she had heard was <laughs> beautiful. This but is it, hilarious. This yeah, is I know, I know. I don't know. Can you please tell this, please? <laughs> yeah. So she, but she ended up being at um, UE in St. Augustine with me, which honestly, having been to, you know, university and lived in that door, it, it is a university door. Right. You know, so yeah. the doors are open, people in the, in the hallway, talking across the hall from people. It was all very friendly and, you okay. know, you, you get the sense of you're really in this together. That's good. So yeah, when I arrived, for example, on the... Um, I can't remember what day that was. But they arrived at the step-down facility. Mm-hmm. I thought the people greeting me at the door were staff. But they were, in <laughs> fact, fellow inmates, quote-unquote. Um, and they were all very, very lovely. Or the, the orientation, quote-unquote, that I got was from, you know, people who were there as well and people who were there right. longer. And they would give me all the ins and outs. And, you know, it was... I. If, so when the, the CMO said on it was a Wednesday that people were being sent home, and of course there was so much chat. Oh God, we going home today. We going home today. Of course, these are people who've been there longer <laughs> than me. I'm just sat and I literally got a huge delivery of food. So I was like, well, I don't really mind if we don't leave today because <laughs> I'm prepared. Um, right. so, so in my mind, even though he said it, I genuinely did not expect to leave on that Wednesday and I wasn't I, I was fine I was not upset I would have been like okay fine I, my mind I had planned for you know being there until the weekend anyway right so for me it, I know there are people who had other issues I saw a news report about you know Tobago and people were left there for too long and, and all of that mm-hmm. stuff and the food I mean really it is hospital food in that there you need it's very it's low salt or no salt yeah. um yeah, so anyway, you kind of bring your yeah, seed, um, pepper, salt, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But there's a lot of bread. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of bread, <laughs> which I had heard from before. So when I arrived, I said, well, I do eat red meat and I do eat bread because I knew that they would give like a lot of sausages and bread and all yes. that stuff, which I try to avoid anyway. Right. So to see their faces when I said that, they were like, oh God, what this one when they eat boy? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> but, but again, I, by that time, again, because I had the time, I would have put, you know, a little apparatus into place where people would have, you know, been bringing me stuff and, and what. Right. So I, I really yeah. think the key for if you do have to go in is just mm-hmm. that sense of preparedness and what. Yeah what that looks like because you now according to the CMO you only go in if you're a mild or severe case um, they Got are it. very cautious with mild so or anything mm-hmm. if, you, if you have any sort of you know symptom that is beyond me so they may tell you go in and you just have this is me speculating you could just have the tightness of the chest and the and the headaches and whatnot. Um, I know, every, you know, if, if you say you have a cough, that is something to look at very closely because, of course, you know, it is a respiratory yeah. 
Yeah, it is a respiratory virus. So, you know, that cough and the tightness of chest, that is a real red flag for them. But it doesn't mean that you're bedridden or in pain. So you do have the opportunity to still be prepared. You know, yeah, which makes sense. Like for you. Makes sense. Yeah. And and you know what? It's it's a very rare case in life period that most people or anybody gets the opportunity to prepare before going to hospital. Yes. Yeah. You know, you pack your stuff and and kinda get as many things together as possible because that's real, you're not gonna be a lot of visitors and that kind of thing. So Hey, if you're getting the opportunity to, by all means, maybe you should do a, a, a list. But you did have a list, right? I did have a list. I did have a list. <laughs> should, um, yeah. What is also important as well is um, identify your network, that close group of friends or family that, and have a plan. Right. So have a little Zoom meeting mm-hmm. or come together safely, less than five people. And... Mm-hmm really talk about okay if one of us has to go in what does this look like who's right who has a car who's going to bring food who could run away at lunchtime mm-hmm. because you know you do have set times that you can you can deliver stuff um right who has children who's going to you know care for these children do they in this time of um online school do they have the tablets you know who who can they yeah. go by if they stay home who's going to feed them yeah. that kind of thing um do you have pets who's gonna feed this pet you know those kinds mm-hmm. of things um mm-hmm. it may happen it may not happen but if it does and if you have the good fortune of having 90 minutes to get ready yeah <laughs> at, least, at least you would have it, it would really just to activate the plan that you've already thought about versus having to think about it and then map it out and so who's going to do what and you know and all in that time trying to pack and pack the right things so yeah. if you or somebody does have to go i i would suggest from now i mean it doesn't have to be this you know you don't need a, a whiteboard and you know you don't have to get you know that, <laughs> you know, that serious but at least have the conversation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. at least have that conversation that is a good idea i will employ immediately honestly makes sense yeah, I mean, because you, you just never know. Um, and if it's not you, it could be somebody you, you really care about. You know, I was talking right. with a friend who, she she's not, she's terrified to get it, but not because of any health reason. Mm-hmm. She has three young kids. And she's like, you know, yes. she just doesn't know who on earth she's going to leave these three children with. Yes. If, you know, yes, you have family that, you know, are very close and they help out and whatnot, but it, it's still your kids. Correct. And, Correct. You know, you hear these stories about people disappearing for not disappearing, but being mm-hmm. in in states care for a month. Yeah. How do you explain yeah. that to a three-year-old? Correct. So Correct. these are the things that people need to think about from from now. Well, I mean, I would hope that uh, even though we are thinking about it, that we really don't have to actually put it in plan or in place. You know, that people are really going to just do better and try to curb. Um, this curve because it's it's um I'm over it <laughs> to be honest I'm really really over yeah, it. I think we to get our acts together yeah absolutely I mean my mother messaged me that she's like oh my god I'm so upset look at these numbers and whatever and I, you know I had to bring her down and I said okay but look at the number of people that have been just discharged including your yeah. own daughter mm-hmm. and the mortality rate mm-hmm. bad but it's not that bad what we need yeah. to do as a people is 
stop being like this like stop yeah. cleaning just you know but i mean i do think that i think this is the this jump is the scare that we needed i think you know i do believe the numbers are going to go back down right um and really and truly it is just to maintain that i do think however if if we can prove that this a big part of this jump is because of you know illegal you know people coming illegally now i have a bleeding heart that i was the one you know sending stuff for people for you know migrants at the over or, i mean mm-hmm. very loudly water, yeah mm-hmm. very loudly championing the cause but at the end of the day, we are now in in a pandemic, um, mm-hmm. and we have to be careful. Yeah, yeah, and those things have to be managed. Yeah, absolutely. The reality is the reality. Yeah, and I yeah. do think that there should be serious penalties for people who facilitate this illegal migration. Not because I don't right. believe there's a place for for refugees, it, and but I do think that it can be done safely and now is simply not the time and these are not people who are bringing them in out of the goodness of their hearts there's there's a profit making mechanism there there's human trafficking all of these things and i truly believe that there should be stiff penalties including jail time for people for yes. children who are caught facilitating this because i mean the cmo did allude to it but i mean we have a rampant case of xenophobia in the country so i know that yes. you know he used his words Quite it is something true. it is something that you have to refer to you know it's, it's a lot of care um because you just you just don't know you, uh, let's let's be fair we have no facts it, this is all correct we don't correct. know correct but at the same point um we have to be careful at the end of the day what is happening in venezuela i don't know that i trust that their government is even telling people the truth whether or not their numbers are uh you know current uh, uh really reflect what is happening there you know there's so many things to consider so we have to be on the ball in terms of managing what we can here at our borders or whatever the case is mm-hmm. i know i know it's not perfect obviously i certainly can't tell anybody what to do at the border but i don't know anything about that no 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 <laughs> nor do i nor do i right. so for those that do know you know this is this has nothing to do with xenophobia this is simply you know case management and you know public health and safety and whatnot um and these are the these are the things that we have to we have to look at but again not being bigots because nobody wants nobody wants to uproot themselves and leave their country come to a place where they don't even speak the language all of these things so they're not doing it because they want to it is they know it has always been out of but we 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 also have a necessity right now to to as you flatten the curve Mm -hmm. this curve simply has to be flattened so it is i mean it's the citizens have to you know do the right thing as well as authorities need to find a way to you know to, to balance these bigger issues that we can't fix either correct correct i absolutely agree all right so this was good. It was good. Um, it was very thank good. You so I'm glad much. I did just, is there anything else you wanted to discuss or wanted to share with people maybe um, who may be listening to the podcast based on your experience? Um, I think we did cover everything. I mean, I would just caution people who are otherwise young and healthy and 
of course yeah of course i want to align with my friends too absolutely mm-hmm. i want to you know go out and whether well, it's a house lime or a bar of course i want to do that but mm-hmm. it's just not the time right now um yes. and i know people think that house limes are safer and mm-hmm. uh, well, no, I, I know i know that person yeah sure you know them but do you know what they do all day every day do you know who they yeah. interact with can you vouch for their um, you know, for they their, their partners. Yeah. I mean, if I become the third global case of reinfection, send me to Debbie. I would like to see <laughs> what what this is about. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready to go on the on the COVID tour. Oh my! Can you stop? Please don't say that. I, yeah, God. Let me not say universe. I take that back. That please, was a joke. Better just salt or whatever. Yeah, right. <laughs> everywhere, everywhere. Oh boy. No, well, I mean, uh, I mean, if I have to see it, man, I hope I get to go to Cuba too or DBO. Yeah. I'm telling you, I would the, the girl told me if you see the view one, I was like, what? <laughs> but I want to see. <laughs> That's so interesting. I, I hope that yeah. you know, she posts about it and that kind of stuff, you know, so people can see these stories because yeah, it'll be good need- to hear some good stuff coming out of this. Yeah, people, people really do need to see. Agreed, agreed. I will say that, you know, as we did say earlier, there are people who are going about as if, you know, nothing is happening or nothing has mm-hmm. happened, including having limes at home. And I would just, I mean, you know, we are all, you know, big consenting adults and your decision is your decision to make. But mm-hmm. I would just caution against liming, even at home, unless you really have that trusted circle of people that you you know their comings and goings you all share the yeah. same because yeah. i yeah then there is a lot of loneliness there as well so i i mean i don't mm-hmm. think you should totally self-isolate but mm-hmm. i do think if you choose to to lime um whether it's at your house or someone else's form that very close circle of people that mm-hmm. again you know you know where they're going you know what they do um, you know who they interact with and you trust them to be as safe as you are being. Yes. So you know that when they go out, it's it's the mask and the sanitization and when they come back home, it's they're wiping down their bags and all of these different things. Like if those are people that you're lining with mm-hmm. and you really, really, really feel like you need to have that interaction, let it be with people that you trust as with their hygiene as much as you trust yourself with yours. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's just there's just no line that is worth also going to visit a parent or a child or something and then passing it on to them. Correct. The whole the whole thing about this disease is that you could be you could have it and be a carrier and you would have absolutely no idea. So not going to stop you from liming probably still judging you but if you choose <laughs> if you choose to do it yeah, yeah. It's very discriminatory even in your own circle with who you know you choose to be around so, yeah so for like for me the first time um we really really shut down the only people i saw were my sisters and my cousins my two cousins who are like my sisters mm-hmm. and so in total it was five of us and when I tell you these were the only people I saw mm-hmm. for the lockdown, because because I trusted them and I knew that yeah. 
they were basically home until we either came by me or went by them and you know we're lining together safely right right and i i knew that if anything ha- were to happen it, it just would not have been from from that circle and i i and we even spoke about it about being careful being each other's you know being that group to each other and it worked yeah. it absolutely mm-hmm. worked but you know liming with one group this week and there was only four of us there's only three of us but then there's another three of you the next week or two the mm-hmm. next week mm-hmm. that absolutely increases your risk so mm-hmm. i would that, that would certainly be my my advice so cuz i mean that that people people really are liming the instagram stories tell it yeah. all yeah. so if you must do it do it safely and do it with people who are responsible correct i agree and i agree 100% Hopefully they listen. <laughs> we'll see. We will see. We it's will been be. The curve will tell us. Well, it needs to be flattened. As I said, I'm over it. So they need to sort of... Yeah, well, I'm really over it. I am... So I used to live in Barbados and I was telling... I still am in a WhatsApp group with um, a couple of my Bajan girlfriends. And mm-hmm. so one of them sent me this um post about how what Trinidad is now on the, this black list for England and, and Barbados I'm like nah don't worry by Christmas I did, I'm still telling myself that by Christmas we'll at least be able to do regional mm-hmm. travel so I like you need this curve to be a line on a line yeah. on the road well, I agree needs to be another exercise. I, I am truly I'm truly over it as well the fact that we can't even go to Tobago I mean oh good lord uh, right I, I understand why don't get me wrong I get I do. It, but yeah but the only way for this to change is for people to give tales at home mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so this is what I said about giving people something to look forward to you want your parents yeah. stay home yeah if you yeah. want this want to your, happen your parents, stay home yeah. So you're now working toward a goal because that's all we can do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that is it. Like if people, you know, you want they want to go to Paramin, you want to go to the Mayaro Beach House, you want like you have to people have to work. Yeah. Humans are very goal oriented. Like you need to drop those little nuggets. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and little, like I tell you, it's like little children, you want to problem. Well, here's what you have to do. Yeah, you have to yeah. train us like dogs. You have to yeah. give us a treat and incentive to work towards. Absolutely. You imagine you have to incentivize living. But I mean, that's the where we are. It's a very strange time. Yeah. None of us have ex- ever experienced a pandemic. So we can't possibly Agreed. expect the huge communications that work. Agreed. Work before. Because this is, this is like a, a time like no other. So yeah. Yeah, we have to try yeah. different things. And if we have to literally incentivize living, then so be it. So be it. Yeah. I agree. Yep. I agree. All right. Okay, good. Well, well thank you so much. Well, this for was fun. Me. <laughs> Have a good evening. All right, then. You Bye. too. Take care. Bye. Well, you okay. stay safe. You stay I will. Home. Well, those are two real stories. Two real stories of two people who would have been touched by COVID-19. One had a more positive experience than the other, both negative or the same. The purpose of me sharing this was I wanted people to understand 
how real and relevant it is how real people are being affected and how just doing the right thing just taking precautions can really help for us to mitigate these potential issues that may occur individually anyway I just wanted you guys to know what it was like and I just wanted to thank my two guests <laughs> for being part of the conversation I thank you both so much for sharing your real experiences and I hope that people who listen are touched and are just encouraged to do the right thing so be safe guys wear your masks practice social distancing practice all protocols and precautions do what you have to do and hopefully we get over this thing sooner than later have a productive week bye